0: This is the Calvary Bible Church Podcast. Thanks for listening in today. We're praying this message encourages you. Learn more about Calvary and join us online each Sunday for services at calvarybible.com. When I'm thinking about wilderness, I'm thinking about adventure, a point-to-point backpacking trip, rolling on single track on my mountain bike. When the snow flies, it's going to be time to hit the slopes. I don't think I'm alone in thinking of adventure when wilderness comes to mind. That seems like the primary reason why everybody is moving to Colorado, because there's so much wilderness to explore, so many adventures for us to have. That's kind of the Western idea of wilderness, one of exploration and adventure. That's not always the way humans have thought about wilderness, though. For most of human history, wilderness was terrifying humans feared it wilderness wasn't something that people immediately thought of adventure but rather apprehension the wilderness was dark and untamed it was dangerous and you didn't know what lay beyond the boundary that was defined as wilderness the biblical idea of wilderness is altogether different than our modern idea of wilderness too Maybe you know the story of God's people wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, led by Moses. They had had this terrible experience of being enslaved and bondage in Egypt. And then this dramatic deliverance by the power of God at the hand of Moses to be liberated from their bondage and to be delivered. And then they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, waiting and waiting and waiting to come to the promised land. And that was a part of the experience of the people of God. A triumph followed by a wilderness-wandering experience that was desolate and dark and unknown and untamed and unclear as to what exactly God's purpose was for the people of God in the wilderness. It's one of the most defining experiences of God's people in history. And it's the focus today of our study in the book of Hebrews. So turn with me there to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews is near the end of your Bible. It's one of the final New Testament books, and we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 3 together today. Now, even though Hebrews is in the New Testament, it's just filled with Old Testament quotes and references and verses and passages. And Hebrews goes back and forth between explaining an Old Testament passage and then encouraging people the first century audience that received this letter or book or sermon to follow Jesus. An explanation, or sometimes we might call it an exposition of scripture, followed by an encouragement or what we might call an exhortation. Exposition, exhortation, explanation, encouragement. That's the rhythm of the book of Hebrews. And that's what we're going to see today, too, from our author. An explanation of an Old Testament text about the wilderness wandering for the people of God, the nation of Israel, and then an encouragement to stick close to Jesus. So check out verse 7 of Hebrews chapter 3 with me. It says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, this is a quote from Psalm 95 in the Old Testament, Now, first of all, that final phrase in verse 11, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. We're going to talk about that more the next time we're together. That idea of God's rest continues through chapter four, where we'll be in next time. But briefly, what is God's rest? Well, this quote from Psalm 95, it's the promised land that they would enter into God's rest in the land of promise. The destination God's people were looking forward to after 40 years of wandering the wilderness. Like we said, before they were in the wilderness, they were in bondage in Egypt, and they were delivered by God through the ministry of Moses. And so this idea of bondage and deliverance has become a metaphor for the people of God. We, too, were once in bondage. We were enslaved to sin, and then we were delivered by Christ. And what came after that deliverance? See, that's the problem, is we don't really look forward to or anticipate wilderness experiences in our life. But that's what commonly happens. After we have a triumphant spiritual experience, we can find ourselves sort of disoriented Unsure about what's ahead. Wandering in a wilderness. And we may feel triumphant for a long time. But I think every Christian has an experience in their life, maybe many times, that they would define as a wilderness experience. Not the adventurous kind. But most likely lonely. Isolating scary. It might feel deserted. We certainly feel disoriented in those experiences, and we always lack direction. The problem is that when we face these wilderness experiences, the same things can happen to us that happened to the nation of Israel. Look closely at what verse 8 of Hebrews 3 says. It says, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. The people of God In their wilderness experience rebelled. Maybe you remember. They complained. Even though God was providing miraculously food for them every day. Manna from heaven is coming to them. And they complained about it. They wanted to go back to Egypt. Even though they were now free to worship God. Which they hadn't been able to do when they were in bondage and enslaved in Egypt. They just wanted to go back to what they knew. They even made a golden calf and worshipped it. Even though Moses, their leader, was on the mountain hearing directly from God, getting the Ten Commandments ready to deliver the law of God, they made a golden calf and they worshipped it. They rebelled in the wilderness. And their rebellion often was simply wanting to return what they return to what they had known before, in their previous life, before they had been delivered. They missed the food they used to eat in Egypt because it was better than this manna from heaven that God had provided. They thought it would be better to be slaves and to at least know what they were supposed to do rather than to be stuck out in the middle of nowhere. They fell back into something they had seen so many times in Egypt, worship of idols. It was familiar to them. Just like the Israelites, the author of Hebrews doesn't want his readers or listeners to fall back into their old patterns either. In their case, it was their background in Judaism, the sacrificial system, the traditions and rituals that they were familiar with. But even for that first century audience, the Christian life had gotten hard. It had been probably around 40 years since Jesus had died and risen again and returned to heaven and it was feeling a bit like the wilderness for them. They were experiencing persecution, pressure, problems in their life. I mean, I would be afraid to experience the kind of persecution that first century Christians did, the kind of first the, the kind of persecution that our Christian brothers and sisters experience in our world today. And when we are fearful, we often fall back What's familiar. For ancient Israel, it was Egypt. For Christians who received this message in the book of Hebrews, it was Judaism. For us today, it could be whatever our life was like before Jesus delivered us. It could have been the life of religious ritual that we talked about last time we were together, or, or self satisfaction that comes through alcohol or sex or money. Whatever our past was like, when we are fearful we often fall back to what's familiar. And when we do, verse 8 says, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Our hearts become hard when we fall back into our previous life before we had been saved by Christ. We get desensitized to sin and its effect on us. It's almost like we develop a callus on our heart. And then, like the end of verse 13 says, we're hardened By the deceitfulness of sin, our hearts become hard to it, desensitized to it. It's important for us as we're talking about this wilderness wandering experience and the temptation to rebel and to turn back to a life that we've come from before. It's important for us to normalize that as a part of the Christian experience, as a part of people who have true faith in Jesus. That as much as we want the trajectory of our Christian life to always be on a perfectly upward trajectory, the reality of the Christian life, more often than not, is that it ebbs and flows. There's ups and downs. There's there's successes followed by sins. There's triumphs and disappointments. That's normal in the Christian life. But the author of Hebrews doesn't want his audience to be so hardened in their hearts by the deceitfulness of sin... That they would fall away from the living God and he was worried in their temptation to return to what was a previous life of comfort for them that they may fall away that they may turn away from their savior Jesus so when we're in the wilderness what do we do where do we turn so that our hearts don't get hardened i think when we're in the wilderness we need directions So that we know the way to go. So that we stick on the path and we don't wander around aimlessly and get off track. So let's look at two directions from Hebrews 3 for when we're in the wilderness. First, we're going to listen in. And second, we're going to link up. First, listen in. Look at verse 13 of Hebrews, excuse me, verse 15 of Hebrews 3. As it is said today... If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Hear his voice, the voice of God, the most important voice for us to listen to when we find ourselves in the wilderness. We might start hearing voices from our past, friends who want us to come party with them like we used to, family who wants us to return to the religious ritual that we grew up with. Just imagine the pressure that these first century Christians were facing from their family. Come back to Judaism. It's the faith of your fathers. It's crazy that you're following this dead man, Jesus. That's why we have to listen in to hear his voice. My friends, our endurance in the Christian life is directly proportional to our understanding of who Jesus is and what he has done. And we discover that through his word, by listening to his voice in the scriptures. We learn about him. That's why we're in Hebrews together. So we can understand more fully who Jesus is and what he has done for you and for me. What happened to the Israelites in the wilderness where they were tempted to turn away from God's voice often happens to us. It even happened to Jesus. Right after his baptism, we're told that he was taken into the wilderness for 40 days without food to be tempted by Satan. We're tempted to turn away from God. The ancient Israelites were tempted to turn away from God. The first century Christians who this letter or sermon is written to were tempted to turn away from God. Even Jesus himself in a wilderness experience was tempted by Satan himself to turn away from God. And do you know what happened? Three times in Matthew chapter 4, the devil tempts him tells him to turn these stones into bread or to throw himself off a tall tower and that God's angels will come and grab him or takes him to the top of a mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the earth and says, you could have all of those if you bow down and worship me. And those three times, in the deepest, darkest temptation of Satan, Jesus speaks back to Satan and rebukes him with the word of God because Jesus listened in to God's word. He knew it. And when he faced temptation, when he had difficult wilderness experiences, that's where he turned. Because he had listened in to God's voice. Did you notice at the beginning of verse 15 that it says, Today, if you hear his voice. Today. One of the incredible things about this technology that helps us produce Calvary Online is that I have no idea what day it is for you. I know some of you love to watch Calvary Online on Saturdays, right when it comes out. Some of you watch on Sundays. Most of you do. And then some of you kind of trickle in during the week, even a week or two after. Even months after, we'll notice that new people are watching messages. So I have no idea what day it is for you. It could be a few days from now. It could be several days from now. It could be weeks from now, months from now. I I don't know. It could be years from now that you are watching this or listening to this. But here's what I, I do know. No matter what day it is for you, it is today. And God speaks to you today. Today is the day for you to listen in to God's voice, whatever day you find yourself in. Wherever you find yourself, whatever circumstances you're in today, good or bad, listen in to the Lord Jesus so that you won't be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And no matter what day it is for you, here's the second direction for you to follow. Link up. Verse 13 says, but exhort one another every day as long as it's called today, there's that word again, so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Exhort one another every day. Exhort is just another word for encouragement. Remind each other of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. That's why we need each other. Why our mission as a church is to build Christ-centered communities of people who are fully devoted to loving God and loving others, so that we can exhort one another every day as long as it's called today. We need each other to exhort, to encourage each other, to stick with Jesus, to stay close with him, to deal with temptation. When we're wandering, we need someone who can help us get back on track, and that's why we need to link up with the people of God. Now, I'll admit that it's more difficult for us to encourage each other through Calvary Online than it otherwise might be if we were gathering in person. But this fall, we'd like to try to make it a little easier for us to interact, to link up with each other, to exhort one another. So here's three upcoming ways that we can all do that. On Sunday, September 26th, we're having an online starting point. This is a time for you if you're new to Calvary or are just worshiping with us online and would like to get to know other people who are too, to meet them. Steph and I will be there. We'd love to have a chance to meet you, hear about you, share a little bit more about Calvary online, share with you about our plans that are upcoming for ways that we're going to minister and hopefully increase the number of people who are joining us and interact with you and link up together. That's Starting Point. It's on Sunday, September 26th. You can click this link. We'd love for you to let us know that you're coming and you can Sign up to RSVP. It'll be all on Zoom, virtual, but we'll gather together and get to know each other. And we're really looking forward to Starting Point. When we're at Starting Point, we'll also share opportunities for you to jump into online groups here at Calvary. To be able to gather together virtually online and and share with each other and encourage each other and talk about the Sunday message and encourage one another to follow Jesus The third thing we're going to do is coming up in October, we are going to have a Sunday Calvary online service time. Now, we're absolutely still going to make Calvary Online available on demand starting on Saturday. You can keep watching it whenever you want, but we're going to have a specific time on Sundays where those of you who would like to can gather together to watch the service in real time along with other people. We'll have some chat functionality built into the website so that you can engage with each other, chat with each other, share prayer requests, encourage one another, ask questions, welcome and meet people who are new to Calvary Online, and we hope it'll be a way for for us to link up with others this fall and to be able to grow our community so that we can encourage each other, so that we can pray with each other, so that we can exhort one another every day as long as it's called today. We're so excited about Calvary Online. I'm delighted to be teaching every week. Our team is praying about ways that we can continue to grow this ministry and we're thankful that you're a part of it and we'd love for you to link up with us in the days ahead so that we can continue to minister to people and draw them closer to Jesus. And the ways we're gonna do it are by listening in to his voice and linking up with each other. You know, in 1964, the United States wrote the Wilderness Act, which basically declared nearly 100 million acres of land in the U.S. as protected wilderness. And it begins with this amazingly poetic description of what the wilderness is. It says, Wilderness... In contrast with those areas where man and his own works dominate the landscape is hereby recognized as an area where the earth and its community of life are untrammeled by man, where man himself is a visitor who does not remain. For most of us, the wilderness is a temporary place. Hopefully not 40 years of wandering there, hopefully marked more by God's revelation to us. Than by our own personal rebellion. But here's what we need to remember more than anything. While we are absolutely called in the wilderness experiences of our life to be faithful to God, to listen into His Word, to link up with other followers of Christ, our faithfulness is not what defines us. I want you to look quickly at verses 5 and 6 of Hebrews chapter 3. It says, Moses The leader of God's people through the wilderness was faithful in God's house as a servant. But compare that phrase to the opening phrase of verse 6, which says, But Christ Jesus is faithful over God's house as a son. Moses was faithful. Jesus is faithful today. No matter what day it is, Jesus The Son of God is faithful over God's house, over the people of God, over you and me. If you believe in Jesus, Jesus will be faithful to you whatever day it is. Today, Jesus is faithful. So whether you feel defeated in the wilderness or victorious on the mountaintop, Jesus is faithful. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we bless you for your faithfulness to us, for what you have accomplished on our behalf so that we might be a part of the household of God, the people of God who have been redeemed by your sacrifice, saved by your death, and victorious because of your resurrection. I pray for my friends today who are joining us for Calvary Online. If they're in a wilderness experience, Lord, I pray you would encourage their hearts. I pray you would bring people around them to encourage them. I pray they would hear your voice and that you would speak powerfully to them. I pray for any friend out there who's watching or listening today who does not yet know the Son, Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them miraculously, powerfully, that you might redeem them and deliver them from their life of enslavement and bring them into the household of God. We give you thanks, Lord Jesus, for who you are and what you have done. You are faithful, Jesus, and we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.